You are listening to episode two of The Picard, which is a podcast all about Star Trek Picard. The first We're talking about the first season, and we're, today we're talking about episode two, which has been called Maps and Legends. I'm Dan Benjamin, and joining me today in the studio to my left is Hattie Cook. Hi, Hello. Hattie. How Hi. are you today? I'm doing lovely. Were you able to watch this week's episode? I was, yes, oh, yes. I I've, just I've seen it. Just check in, and sitting across from me, is Keith Ruckus, host, I, famous host yeah. of uh, At The Movies, 5x5 five five At The Movies, right here on, on 5x5. Five five Incredibly five famous. Yeah. How have we not got a cease and desist for our title yet? I, because they don't they don't care. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, CBS. Mm-hmm. I'm turning your gain up a little. Smart. Just keep you on, the, on your toes. So last uh, can I, week- Can I sit? Yes, you may <laughs> sit. You, you may be seated. So last week, yeah. we talked about the first episode, and I got some- uh, some feedback yeah, on we'll it. Yeah, we'll start out with the feedback. We should start with that, but you had an idea for the feedback corner, for what we should call the feedback corner. Oh, section 31 says. Section 31. So our first entry into section 31 <laughs> says, is from listener Karen, who had a lot to say. Oh, that's a long email. Now, uh, I want to preface this whole thing by saying I cannot take constructive criticism. Okay. Me neither can And I am <laughs> very aggressive, so... Just oh, know I just that get going sad. In. Okay. So I get you angry. get angry. I get sad. You get angry. Mm-hmm. You get sad. And I have no care either way. It's the it's the Philly in me. Yeah. Yes. I was gonna say. And that's what the paper plate is for, Keith. See, I keep my tea bag in the that's tea. Right. Do what you want. Everyone Make gets to do what they want as here. Strong as possible. In the future. In this future. <laughs> okay. So um, Karen first was uh, tweeting the stuff to me, and I said, "I want to hear your feedback. You've got to email it. You've got to email it." So the email address is Picard at 5x5.tv. Mm-hmm. Send that and we'll get it and we'll be able to talk about it. So Karen says, first off, I enjoyed the pod overall. Now, that's good. I don't like when people call podcast pods, but I'm not, it's, you know what? Today's a fun day. I'm not going to hold it against Karen. If right. I call it the cast, is that okay? That's fine. The cast is fine. Just but we not don't the like pod. pod. Got it. Can't go with yeah. pod. Quibbles. This is, there are sections. It's pronounced tribbles. Right. Yeah. It just says quibbles. One. Watch Discovery and decide for yourself. Sigh. As a 56-year-old who began watching the original series first time around and having had Star Trek in my life always, it just makes me sad to hear Discovery dismissed as not Trek. It is. I love it. You may not... You may not, but I sure wish people would just watch it and decide for themselves if they like it or not. I mean, I'm a huge Trekkie and always have been, and I certainly consider it Trek. Okay. Okay. Most of these are directed at you, by the of way. Of course. Kate. That's fine. <laughs> Two. Keith is very polarized. Two. You know? Lower Decks is not on Nickelodeon. I thought it was. It is the adult animated show that will be on CBSAA. Oh. The Nick one for tweens, teens, is a good ways off. And I believe there was an announcement of another even younger kids animated for some point in the future. But I cannot remember what I heard. This was not too long ago. I would bet they will because Kurtzman has talked about getting kids as young as five. And CBSAA is eventually doing their own children's programming like Bob the Builder, etc. That's a good correction. Yeah. That I accept. I was wrong about that. Okay. Number three, there are 10 Picard episodes. Oh, and we said eight. Okay. Four, I believe Kima and Lil were going to school on Earth. One of them, the SF skyline was visible over her shoulder from her room. Gosh, you should watch that short. It is beautiful. Oh, okay. okay. Five, I think Keith has a good theory. Would certainly make entertain, entertaining watching. Not so sure about some of it, though, as Stuart intends this to be really inspirational. A beacon being duped by two Romulans just isn't a great look. However, 
Wouldn't the same thing apply if these two really do care as they seem to, but are pretty much the bodyguards who trust no one with their captain. And yeah, they basically keep tabs on him at all times and swept him back. I mean, would be the same difference. Make sense of why he wakes up at home and not at a hospital. And Picard doesn't end up looking like some fuzzy minded old person who took these people in. I mean, Picard isn't an idiot. There has to be a way he vetted them. Also, yeah, the empire is dead. And so, yeah, I think maybe a lot of tall Shiar may not do that anymore. Perhaps these two are the unicorn just believe in Picard but if they turn out bad doesn't that negate Picard's not Romulan lives lives arguably the most powerful spot in the episode I mean the point of this is at least I believe is a lot about you can't people an entire race religion creed etc with one brush so that's my two cents on that uh, I'm inclined to agree yeah. and after this episode I'm changing my theory okay yeah. we will we will yes. get to yeah. that number six I do wonder if Dodge is dead I'm gonna stop it right there She's totally dead. Yeah, she's I, I think she's, she's completely dead. Dunzo. If uh, um, they sure were beaming the black team in and out a lot, maybe the acid ruined her cloak and they got her out in that fireball because otherwise I'm not sure why they showed beaming black mem- team members away. Cool, yes, but they have said they will not be doing throwaway things. No, I'm no, totally dead. Yeah, it I didn't just get her cloak. Her face was being yeah, burned was off. Gone. Too. Yeah. She's gone. Seven. This is absolutely not the Kelvin. No, I have a note about this. This is absolutely not the Kelvin Is this the same person? This is one email, but it's (laughs) almost done. Karen has a lot to say. It's almost done. We're almost done. All right, Karen. She's got some good points. This is absolutely not the Kelvin timeline or the mirror universe. They have made it clear. They are very serious about the messages they are sending. Um, SF has had its issues over the years and Picard knows it. He totally says as much to Worf at the end of Drumhead, but also the explosion of Romulus's son happens in the regular universe Mm -hmm. and is what creates the Kelvin verse. But this is only the original side of that. Okay. And then they end it by saying, anyhow, anyhow, I'll be listening again. I'd like to get your noob Hattie's point of view. Yep. We really heard mostly from Keith. And I'd like to know how a less experienced Trek watcher is receiving this or what you all thought overall. What gave you warm fuzzies? What hit hit each of you in the feels or made you mad? Or what visual things did you love or not love? Because dang, this is visually feasty. Peace out, Karen. Bye, Karen. Thanks, Karen. And uh, we got, I I got another bit of... um, uh, email that we can do but um, this was a wonderful article sent in by a listener Steve who says love the first episode of the pod I'm going to let it go because today is a happy day <laughs> right. so I'm going to let it go thanks for not assuming we've seen all the movies and all the episodes y'all are doing the Lord's work here oh well there's one thing Star Trek is about it's about religion that's yes. right and then uh, and then he says read this and found it helpful and so I put this into our show notes which is picard.fireside.fm slash two and it says Star Trek Picard's Romulan continuity explained by the producer oh and uh, and so I will I will just go through this very quickly because Please. I know both of y'all have some things to say. Um, <laughs> but it's a, there's this is an article in uh, in on inverse.com and uh, it again is in the show notes. And it says, what timeline does this return uh, to the Jean-Luc Picard story take place? It was a question executive producer Akiva Goldsman was more than prepared to answer at a Television Critics Association press event just a week ahead of the show's highly anticipated premiere. Quote, if you look at J.J.'s movies, there's one section of the first movie which is actually canon. It's before the universe is split, before the entry into the Kelvin universe, Goldman Goldsman tells inverse the section he's referring to is the destruction of romulus which in jj abrams 2009 star trek reboot sent spock back in time and retconned the entire canon in the process a brand new timeline was introduced giving audiences the kelvin universe where the new versions of james t kirk chris pine and crew exist 
Picard takes that Romulan supernova and is part of the canon, Goldsman confirms. Aside from the refugee crisis in Picard that the Romulan supernova creates, we don't know much else about the long-term effects of that destruction. However, given the addition of a Romulan presence on the show, something tells us Captain Picard isn't just coming out of retirement to face down his personal demons, but another longtime enemy. And then uh, another quote Goldsman says is, uh, our closest cousins would probably be the back half of season one of Discovery, the mirror universe continuity, he says, and then some of Deep Space Nine where it became, you know, fundamentally serialized. But it is not the mirror universe. This is the original universe, which was affected by the event that led to the Kelvin universe. Okay. We got that? You got I that? I understand that all right. now. And that's, that's all the feedback we're going to do for today. All right. Oh, and Keith wanted more ratings and reviews, like re- reviews, yeah. not just ratings. Right. I'm surprised there's so many people. Uh, They've come in. People have given the show in. stars. Yeah, but, but no, there's uh, six of them, but no one's written a review. So yeah, so what we really need from y'all is uh, if if you're gonna leave a star or something, the reviews make such a big difference, and it's been, you know, Keith. We I have shows. Emojis. I have shows that have been running. For so long that I've, I forgot to say this, but what I used to say at the beginning or at the end of every show, mm-hmm. back when I was really just starting five by five is please consider rating the show on iTunes. It makes a huge difference. It is the best way. And nowadays, one of the only real ways that works for letting new people find out about the show. Yes. We would love for new people to find out about this show. And uh, the best way to do it is for you to go to iTunes and and leave a review, not just a rating. I mean, a rating is good. Yes, ratings are good. But review is even better. Yep, we like that. <laughs> so that's it. So now I think, Keith, it is time for, for the Keith little... recap. All right. <clears throat> now that I know we're doing recaps, yes, I'm going to blow it's all this. you here. It's all you. And and we want people want to hear more about the noobs feels. Yeah. So how, how do you interject? Yes, I, yeah, I think the first episode had more feels for me than the second, okay, but okay. but I'll, I will. While yes. I'm doing this, how do you, why don't you scream out what you're feeling? Like, like, angry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so you will be the emotional compass <laughs> right. for the audience. Right. And when he says something that happens, you just shout the emotion at, Anger like that when when he reads. Sure. Or I'll just you read something. I just <laughs> yeah. I'll just yeah. start crying. I like that noises in the yeah. background. Great. All right, we open up on first contact day fourteen years ago from the current timeline we're following. First contact day is the anniversary of the day of Zephyr and Cochran's flight, and when the when the Vulcans came down and made first contact with humans. Right. Lovely. Big day. Right. Which I'm I'm not sure if how big a holiday this should stretch like should it be a federation holiday or just an earth holiday because like some of the other cultures like like, i don't care we had warp travel for you know 100 years before (laughs) y'all you're right what do we care about a good point real good point uh we're on mars and it's the crew of utopia planitia like way down the ladder on the rungs building the fleet Mm -hmm. that's going to go save the romulans uh, I <laughs> really taken aback by how uh blue collar, yes, it or is. red collar, I guess we red collar because yes. they're in the jumpsuits, <laughs> right? Uh, and how they're like talking about, oh, we don't get a day off. Like, well, sure you do. There's no money, right? Why? Right. Would, why would you have overtime or? Right. I didn't understand. You know, but I mean, th- you bring up a good point. That's always been a thing that I've thought about in the in the Star Trek universe, which is. You know, I understand I understand the concept of saying we live in this future utopia. We can like I can like if I felt like it, I could just like paint. Like that's my whole right, life. Right. Or I could be a Starfleet captain if I wanted. But 
then there's like a lot of there's still a lot of kind of crappy ass menial jobs out right. there. Yeah. And, and more to the point, yeah. yeah, sanitation. Yeah. And you <laughs> saw in in, t- in in today's or last night's episode when um they they dropped the tea set. And it shatters, right, and they're all pick like it up. picking yeah. it up. Like you still got to clean it. You don't it have. It doesn't a little... just magically. Whoop, right. now it's gone. But there was an episode, and it's the episode in which um, the sort of tribe, for lack of a better word, of people who are, I guess, they're displaced from a planet. This is I a think next the, generation episode. And they're like in the loading bay. Yeah, or they're whatever. staying in the cargo. And cargo there's like hold. chickens and everything. Yeah, and yes. then and then like the one lady's cleaning it, and Riker's like, "Don't worry, the ship cleans itself." Remember well, that? Maybe a starship does, but maybe not a house. But Picard's house doesn't. Well, Picard's house is it's old. A French it's not. Chateau. Yeah, it's, you can. It could handle a couple up, especially if all it takes in Star Trek, everything's tiny. So they put stick a little little thing up on the wall or in the ceiling, and it just uses you know. It uses a scanning, uh, thing. scanning thing. It finds something on the ground. It shouldn't be there. Beams or, it away. You know, get your, get your Roomba. I mean, there, there has to be millions of jobs that nobody wants to do. But someone is like in Voyager, uh, they start using basically the slave army of holograms to right. like mine dilithium in an you know ore or to scrub plasma injectors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are people doing this beforehand. So mm-hmm. like at what point in your life do you like, screw it. Someone's got to scrub these plasma injectors. I guess it'll be me. Right. I don't know. I don't know. And you're definitely not getting any form of compensation. No. no. It's just a, uh, what do they say? Like the, the feeling of a job well done. That's it. Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> That's what wakes me up every morning. Yeah. So the blue collar, one of the blue collar work, workers, Mr. Pincus, goes and he opens up a little cargo bay area in which we see a bunch of synthetics. And these are not, they're, they're modeled after data, obviously, with the skin and the eye tone. Right. But definitely do not have the same creepy. freedoms. They're very creepy. And when they're not being used... <laughs> They, they seem like they are awake, but just standing there doing nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely some sort of animosity towards these beings from the people that are working there, either calling them plastic or calling them creepy. Yeah, what did he say when you opened the, the door? Good morning, plastic people. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think maybe we could start our show that way. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, plastic people. That is what we call, what we call our, our listeners are plastic people, I That's think. The, that sounds rude. Well, you said it, not me. They're going to rise up. They are. They're going to destroy <laughs> us. Uh, we see the, uh, the people working uh, in Utopia Planitia. I thought in Star Trek, Mars had been terraformed. It doesn't seem like it's been terraformed. It just looked like Mars with yeah. some spaceship bases. Right. Sure. On. The only people outside working on things were synthetic people. Mm. Right. So I guess there's no atmosphere on Mars. I just right. assume there would be a la you know, not total a, recall. I'm sorry. There's not a human breathable atmosphere on Mars. Sure. Right. right. Because I'm, Mars is on fire, the atmosphere. We see F8 come in to the work area the blue collar workers are in. I like to point out that it's Fate. Oh, F8. Fate. His name. Oh, you got me there. <laughs> I didn't even think of that. Fate. He comes in and he uh, has some interactions with the people that are very creepy. Uh, hold on. No, I'm still stuck Wait. on that. I, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty Is that great. obvious to everyone in the world except me? I Every article I've, I've read has pointed that Did out. Did you pick that no. up? Before? Okay. At least, well, so just the two of us. When they found it. before, they're like, oh, you know, well, Dr. You Sun's pension for, Funny uh, for, you know, pun yeah. names. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if Maddox has anything to do with the situation, which I'm right, not sure he does. Then he'll follow that kind of. Right. So there's fate and he uh, proceeds to at lightning speed with all the uh, L car systems that are around. He proceeds to 
uh, shut down the defense grid of Utopia Planitia, the shields, and activate the orbital defense yeah, system <laughs> that is now pointing. And I, I thought about that when you see the shots of Mars kind of blowing up with these giant explosions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how are the ships doing that? But it was actually the orbital the, defense system right. of Mars turning in on itself, on itself to destroy the planet, which I thought was really smart. Yeah. Side note, I want to point out, uh, the thing that pissed me off the most of this episode mm. was the ding of the replicator. Thank you. Oh, it because was it's like, like a, a microwave. microwave. It was a microwave. And did you notice? I thought that it was hilarious. They were just. Um, they looked like just 3D printers with the little bars across the top sure. with the little things. Like that's exactly what it looked. I was like, that's just two 3D printers that they, they just made, ripped the insides out of. <laughs> they made Picard's replicator look so cool. Yeah, and then this one. And was, then these guys get like a glass door toaster oven. Yeah, it's that, a toaster oven that dinged Ding. for no reason. Yeah. that pissed me off. All right, <laughs> so. Uh, as he's shutting down the orbital defense, uh, F8 brutally kills oh, yeah. every oh, yeah. single person Real in bad. there. Yeah. Snaps someone's neck, then Uncaring. takes some sort of phase welder tool and just starts blasting holes in people. And then, uh, as everything is happening, he then turns it on himself and destroys himself. Right. right. Worth pointing out that at some point we see him receive some sort of signal yeah, or his trigger. His eyes do a little his thing. Eyes, yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, if anything, that, that made me vaguely reminiscent of the time that uh, Data commandeered the Enterprise in when, order to mm-hmm. take back uh, take himself was back out to the sem- yes. the signal. and so maybe there there was some kind now I have a whole theory on what happened here mm-hmm. uh, which which I'll share once you're done with your recap but I'm okay. sure you I'm sure you have the same theory but um, I just thought that was that was reminiscent of that to me yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Don't they have um, something in place like keeps them from harming themselves and others? Did that, you think that just overrode everything? I think it just okay, overrode okay. it. That's what I thought. And we don't know what Maddox did when he built these synthetics. Right, that's true. Uh, we go back to Chateau Picard uh, where Laris, Laris and Jaban are now uh, talking to Picard about the Javash. Yes. So Tal Shiar were the secret police and they said it's redundant because everything in Romulan culture is a secret. secret right. There's an even deeper, deeper layer of secret police called the Javash, who they are alluding to their main function in all of Romulan society is to keep any sort of AI or synthetic consciousness or a person out of technology, out of their culture. And that they had been operating not just in Romulan culture, but in Gorns and Klingons and the Federation. And they're just like, they don't want it to exist anywhere. Like a, like a super section 31, Mm -hmm. just kind of everywhere. They go to Daja's apartment and use forensic molecular reconstruction. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought was neat. A little CSI, you know? (laughs) I like that they said the Romulans say that it doesn't work to the Mm -hmm. Federation, but it actually does. Right. I think this idea of everything Romulans do as a chess game is great. I think it's reminiscent of TNG Mm -hmm. and they should keep that going. Uh, Laris does a whole bunch of weird hacking and they find out that the twin Dr. Asha is off world. Mm -hmm. And so now it's turned to Picard needing to get off world, get some sort of ship and then going to find her wherever she is in the entire blanket universe. Uh, Now, do you, do you think hmm. the, do you think that um, it was realistic for Picard to think that they would reinstate him? Not just after being on TV and you know, Saying what he said about Starfleet. But after what had happened. But just after everything had happened, like, like does is that a thing that happened? Oh, yeah, you know what? We'll give you a ship and a crew. Go ahead. I think it was pure effing hubris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like she said. Well, I mean, he still has this moral compass. And again, like, 
maybe the Federation 20 years ago would have been like that and said, oh, of course, right. here's a shot. Right. 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 She doesn't know what's happened in these 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's almost like new a new um, whole line of people are in that don't like just like when he got there, the guy was like, what's your name? Yeah. Like no one actually remembers him f- that he worked with, you know, so sure. or something like right. that. Uh, Narek, the Romulan, we're going oh, to the yes. board cube now, and Dr. Asher, the twin, are knocking boots. Oh, yeah. Yep. Good for them, which we find out later is a ploy, which makes me a little sad. I know. Uh, but they're, uh, and the best line of the whole episode to me is when he said, when she asks, what are you doing here and what's your job? And he asks, can you keep a secret? She says, yes. And he says, so can I. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and to me, I'm like, that's beautiful writing, great yeah. storytelling. And I dig that a lot. We're going to go shoot back over to, Federation headquarters. We're going to play the main theme from the original motion picture, which I uh, adored when he's coming through the transporter door. Yes, yes. <clears throat> I think he goes in the, he again, sees the, uh, I thought from the underside, the first telegraphic ship was the Enterprise C. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought they were just rotating through Enterprises, but it wasn't. It was the it Discovery was... Enterprise. Oh. It was Discovery Captain Pike's Enterprise really? is the ship that we see. Okay. I, w- I did not know that. How did you figure that out? I read it in an article. Okay. <laughs> People that were nerdier than me. Uh, <laughs> out. And then the Inter- Picard's Enterprise D sees being projected above. <clears throat> he meets with uh, Fleet Admiral Kristen Clancy. Uh, who they are on a first name basis, so they have some history. He points out they have not always seen eye to eye. She very viscerally hates him oh, with yeah. her body Guns language. Blazing oh, is, yeah, she, she does not him. like him. No. I'm probably thinking whatever feelings she had 20 years ago was definitely fueled by his interview. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so she's mad. Uh, she says it's pure effing hubris after he says, I'll take a demotion to captain. I don't right. care, which is very reminiscent of what happened to Kirk, but right. neither, neither here nor there. Uh, and he's like, I want a ship. I want a minimal crew. I want to go find. And he lays out the plot to her. Mm-hmm. And it does sound very fantastical. Mm-hmm. Right. When he says it in like one sentence, you're like, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> None of this sounds right. Maddox, but only you, Picard, right, can save sure. the universe. It's right. all you. You've got to go do this. So she is very aghast at his. And basically, you're a, you're a pitiable old man. Right. You're looking to recapture your old glory days, which is... A theme that has gone through Star Trek for years, like we often see old admirals come on to the Enterprise D. Trying to like shake things up. Getting that one last mission. Mm -hmm. So he's almost in a reverse position he has. He's got no power, no influence. Uh, And she, you know, ceremoniously just kicks him out of the office and says, I want nothing to do with you. Uh, Denies the request. We're going back on the board cube at this point. It's like a weird daily Romulan orientation of which the head of Romulan security on the cube is telling everybody who works on the cube, just remember you're in a very dangerous place. Right. Uh, you know, I like he points out their badges they wear. He's like, if your grading badge uh, <laughs> goes green, goes green, run. run. Right. Uh, which I think is they set that up for a reason. Mm-hmm. I think they made it right. a joke in to. levity. Uh-huh. We are going to see this board cube re- uh, react at some point. Something, I guarantee yeah. it. Uh, Narek continues to be creepy. He is creepy. He we're, knows who everyone is no, before yeah. he talks. We're introduced I, to a Trill character. You know, they talk about how um, the 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 two ladies are into Narek a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. Right, they're both how, like, he's sexy. Yeah, and I thought Hot that Romulan. And, yeah, and that and that's the thing. Are Romulans just known to be unattractive to, to and like humans? He's, or I no, I think he is just a very attractive super person. Hot, right, super hot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like when I when I uh, when I walked in, you know, 
here, I'm like, and I look at Dan Benjamin, I'm yeah. like, I didn't know podcasters could be that high. Right. Exactly. Right. Mm. Exactly. Sure. Um, we're back on earth after his little creepy, like he, the, the scene basically sets up, he can do whatever he wants. And like, he's got right. carte blanche. He's, right. he's higher than the director of the right. reclamation he need, project. He doesn't need permission for anything. Back on earth, uh, the Daystrom Institute, uh, what was her name? What's Doctor? her real life name? You always say you don't like her, that actress. Allison <coughs> Pill. I I liked her better in this scene, but I historically she's not one of my favorite actresses. What's her but I don't name? know why. Um, Doctor starts with a J. Javago. No. <laughs> well, she she's back at Chateau Picard. She's reading uh, Asimov, which is a yeah. funny nod to androids. I love that. Yeah, and he uh, he. Uh, Picard makes a quippy, I, I've never oh, cared like for science classic. fiction, uh-huh. uh, which, you know, is fun not to us. She says she wants some Earl Grey tea, which is what we're all drinking now. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Um, and she says she has done some digging into Dodge, and it seems like everything about her is a work of fiction, that all her grade transcripts are there, but she had never attended school. Right. That she really kind of just appeared three, three years, years ago, ago mm-hmm. with this kind of fake background story. So that, that's So now we kind of have a... A timeline on when, if Maddox is actually, sending these people out, right. when it happened, which is three years, which is enough to find a, you know, a good boyfriend. Yeah. And, sure. Get into <sighs> some some schooling, get into the Daystrom Institute. Sure. So, uh, I lost my place on my list. Say something about Star Trek, Hattie. Oh, well, <laughs> well, one thing that I was going to say was um, that Dan noticed, I think you had a note about it, Dan. Yeah. That was about when, when he's sitting down with the with the doctor mm-hmm. it it really focuses on that he's making the tea by hand and he's not mm-hmm. actually doing it the replicator yeah, they, and they it made focused it... in on the the there was like 50 earl grey tea bags right. it wasn't just like two right so, and i didn't know what they like yeah no you're stood right on they it for did. a second i noticed the same thing and there were there were a couple different things in the episode a couple different times in the episode where they're paying special attention they linger they linger the mm-hmm. shot is there and and you know they don't do things like that by accident. No, no. Uh, and They're I don't. Waste and any also, time. the tea being dropped. Um, and it was the same symbolism. tray as earlier. Yeah. You know, with a lot know. of cups on it. Yeah, with a lot of porcelain. There was a lot of porcelain. That wasn't just one one. And uh, she teapot. she didn't drop it. She threw it yeah, down in her anger. Right. She was right. pissed. All right, so doctor, uh, we're going back to the board Zhivago. cube after the scene. Shivai. Uh Dr. Asha is assisting in releasing these Borg drones. Right. So it seems like what. We could go back and forth whether the Borg cube was a derelict because of a battle or if it has to do with the ending of Voyager. Mm. We're not sure. And end of Voyager, they kind of destroy the Borg collective, kind of not. It's kind of nebulous. So it could have been shut down. It could not have been. But they have a derelict Borg cube. It's not a Borg cube. It's an artifact. I just want to be clear about that. Guys, it's an artifact. Still a Borg cube. Uh, (laughs) So apparently there have been Borg dudes in there, in right, and they are like in stasis, stasis. Some, some sort of weird homeostasis, and they are removing pieces of the technology, right. which I would hope you know is getting easier each time they do it. Now, something I had a question for you about that, sure. And Hattie, I'm curious if you have a take on this mm-hmm. too. When they were removing the pieces of the Borg, you heard a heartbeat, and typically in Star Trek, you hear audibly out loud the heartbeat of the patient who's sitting in the uh, laying on the cot or laying in the bed and sick mm-hmm. bay or whatever. I just want to say as somebody who I'm not like a super hypochondriac or anything, but if I was laying there in a hospital and I just sat there hearing my own heartbeat yeah, amplified over a freaking speaker, 
I'm sorry, it's going to stress me out in a big way. <laughs> so I'm just for few for the for the people who are creating our future, don't do that. Right. But you hear a heartbeat going in this scene, and it seems like it goes. It shows Dodge then, or right. I mean, um, so, Soji, Soji, yeah, Soji. Then it so then it shows um Narek, and then it shows the the board guy. The board guy. So we don't really know. But my is my you only. You think ass- it's the Borg? My guy. theory was this is the Borg guy's heartbeat that we're hearing, and it's beating faster as they're doing stuff to him. And then she says something. Right, she to says him. like in in what language? I don't know what language that um, was. But she basically says, you know, you're free to go now. Like friend. you're like, free. Yeah. Like chill out. You're right. not part of this. Collective and then the anymore. heartbeat slowed down. But down. the shot was on Narek when the heartbeat slowed down. So what do you so think, Keith? Was it the Borg guy? Or was, it? was it? I think if they're projecting the sound of his heartbeat, that kind of sucks because there's so many people being. So whose heartbeat was it? I think it was Narek. Well, there's also so many tables of Borgs that in that room you'd hear like 80,000 heartbeats <laughs> going. Different I pace. agree. Yeah. So uh, whose was it? I don't know. I do like that they're releasing all of them because in the past uh, at Wolf 359, they dismantled the Borg cube and killed all those Borgs. Yeah. Like the Romulans don't really have to help them. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all in states so they could just dump them out in airlock. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty cool. They're doing it. It's like one of the few good things we've seen a Romulan do. Mm-hmm. Right. We're back at Chateau Picard. Uh, Picard pulls out his old Com badge, yes. which is a image we've seen in the trailers over and over again, puts it on. He taps it and says, Rafi, it's Jean-Luc. Don't hang up. Mm-hmm. I like the term hang up, hang up yeah. mm-hmm. uh, in this situation. I need a ship and I need your help. Mm-hmm. My first inclination is that he wasn't talking to someone like for a half second. Like he was just playing out something in his head. Yeah. Because I didn't hear what he said at first. I'm like, like oh, this poor guy. He's just like, imagine the like old Like playing maybe, dress up, maybe, you know? Maybe, yeah. 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 Like I do every night on my patio. Beam me up. I'm done here. <laughs> uh, Take me back to my ship. The The next morning Jabba is when we throw down the tray. Yes. Laris throws down the tray. And he, Picard basically says, I'm intending to find a ship. I'm intending to go after uh, Soji. And like that. that's just the situation we're in. And he's uh, like, y'all have to come with me the, or something? This is where he, they say the only thing that can save you from the Tal Shiar is the Tal Shiar. Javon says that's why I'm going. And this is where my theory changes. Yes. I no longer think that they're necessarily evil. I think they're hiding something. But, but you I were right think, that they were Tal Shiar. Yes. So you did. Well, that was common knowledge. Okay, that, okay, that's okay, in the okay. comic book. That's okay. canon. But um, I no longer think that they have. I Ulterior. think they may be clandestine, but I don't think that it's evil. Okay. Uh, they d- he said he's going. And then some of the biggest stuff they dropped was he's they're like, you're going to need a crew. What yes. about Riker? Yes. Worf or Jordy? Mm-hmm. I was convinced Jordy was dead. I know you were because right, in the last episode, you're yeah. like, oh, yeah. I think he was. On my, and I, I I made a little note here in, in here. And I just, Did you I just, just write said, Keith equals wrong. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I said, uh, <laughs> I said, um, uh, Worf, uh, Riker, Worf and LaForge all alive. That's just my note yep. right here. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Star Trek comics, Worf's been dead for a while. So now we know that most comics that have nothing to do with Picard are not canon. Okay, right. Right, right. you can actually rule some stuff out. That's sure. nice. And also, just like I was saying in the comics, there's a comic where before got all of Data's right, memories sure. and right. went so on to become not, captain so now we know of the Enterprise or something. Unless it's the, start, the countdown to Picard Star, uh, Star Trek comic, it does not matter in canon. Okay. Right. That's what we know. <clears throat> now gets real weird. Nice. Okay. <laughs> So we find out uh, we've we we are introduced to this Starfleet security commodore who seems to be in charge of Starfleet security. That's what I'm yes. going to go with until I know anything different. Oh, and I don't know if you noticed that when hmm. she walked into the the lieutenant's office, did you hear the door? Oh, I have a yes, good. Okay. I have a note about that. <clears throat> 
so we're introduced to the Commodore, and we're also introduced to Lieutenant Rizzo. Mm-hmm. Now, just just to be clear mm-hmm. on this, because I'm not a Navy guy. Sure. But my understanding is that it goes Captain, Commodore, mm-hmm. Admiral, mm-hmm. right? Where's Lieutenant a, in that? Way lower. Way lower. Oh, okay. it was Ensign, Lieutenant Junior Grade, uh, Lieutenant First Grade, Lieutenant Commander, Commander Captain, Commodore, Admiral. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then Fleet Admiral was right, the top. Right, and all those right, higher ones. Right, right, right. So, because it seemed to me like the there were, you know, the way the Admiral was talking to the Commodore, it almost seemed like they were a little adversarial, and it almost also seemed like they were, I know they're there not a, equals, but it almost seemed like they were talking. There was a connection of someone. Yeah, yeah, I got that yeah. too. Did you pick up on yeah. that? Sure. Okay, continue. Um, <clears throat> and now with the Commodore... What race was the Commodore or so, species? Okay. So I've seen theories on both sides. She is definitely either a Romulan or a Vulcan, or a Vulcan that's she, in cahoots. Right. Mm. But she seemed emotional. To Very. Me. And yeah. so that's what I'm going to say. Not Vulcan. I'm going to guess Romulan. Yeah. yeah. And then that's, because I know I don't want to hmm. get in the way of your, your recap, but because Rizzo is Romulan. Definitely. It would make I know, that's more sense that the Commodore would be Romulan. Romulan well, also. I agree. She, the, the um, Kirsten, the other lady, she reached out to her to find out about what she knew about the Romulan stuff. So it's almost like, hey, you're Romulan. What do you know about what's going on? No, <laughs> I didn't know that we had Romulans at Commodore rank in Starfleet. We don't. So what's no, that? No, no, no. If she is a Romulan, she's pretending to be a Vulcan. Her desk has oh. an IDIC on it, the IDIC. Um. Uh, so her desk is f- has right. two different Vulcan things on it. Right, because right, I saw little things over it the also has That's the, what it confused It also me. has a little pyramid job yes. from, uh, from Enterprise yes. that has to do with uh, Vulcan logic. That, see, that confused me because she was like, no. at first I was like, oh, she's Vulcan. I wrote down no, here, I'm, I'm saying like, Commodore is Vulcan or Romulan? I'm saying she's a Vulcan in cahoots or she's a Romulan pretending to be a Vulcan. Okay. Mm. 100%. Okay. No, there's no Romulans in Starfleet. That's what I thought. Except for Lieutenant Rizzo, right. who is definitely now, isn't undercover. Now, is that something that would show up on a scan or right. something like How that? Right, how are they? Well, they're, if you- like You're going to get scanned the, the in The episode Starfleet. Drumhead of Next Generation has a half Romulan pretending to be a half Vulcan right. on the Enterprise D. They're very, very similar, I'm, I'm sure. But if the head of Starfleet security- is in charge of your mm-hmm. undercover Romulan. Right, then you're letting sure people, whoever you need, right. into. I'm, I'm, That's why I said, I I'm think on that page. she was talking, the, the Commodore was talking as if she was totally like on Starfleet side, right. but, but there was almost like an undertone of like, yeah, but we're working on this other thing together. Right. okay. And okay. also because of the forensic thing, we know that Romulans have molecular technology that Starfleet does not. Right. So maybe they're right. changing maybe they're people at the molecular okay. level. Yeah. Okay. We don't know. okay, you got me. I'm sold. Uh, Starfleet security Commodore is definitely watching Clancy because she brings up things that were not in the conversation. Right. There's, I'm, I'm a little torn about what is actually happening and I don't think we're supposed to completely right, understand be a confused. it. Uh, the, the Commodore is overseeing Rizzo who is on some sort of clandestine, right. uh, uh, mission with Narek, who is her brother. Right. Mm-hmm. Surprise. And then the whole thing is about finding the nest of androids. And I believe it's Maddox's nest of androids. Right. I totally agree. So I think from, from what we're catching is that there is Maddox has left. He is not with the Romulans and he is not no. kidnapped by the Romulans. We were wrong by that, but he 
almost has like this weird sleeper cell right. mm-hmm. of these He's organic androids that he is creating for some reason. Right. And I'm still convinced that Soji and Dodge were a flare. They're put out there to find Picard because Maddox knows he needs help. Right, because he almost encoded that they needed to find Picard. Right. So and did. whoever yeah. created the memories for them, whatever mom is their mom right. that's telling them to go, that's right. his, Says, go his find doing. Picard. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see a scene in a future episode where that woman is- Is like a, a scientist that's helping like Maddox, Maddox out or something. Is, yeah. you know, chilling out <laughs> in the back room. Last thing I skipped over was we meet Rafi. Rafi Musiker, I think is her name. Oh, yes. When he, uh, right. Picard goes out. Easily <clears throat> swayed by the 86. Right. And he took a taxi. Yeah. I thought I that was great. I loved the taxi so shuttle. Cute. Uh, I have it written down. Her name is Rafi. No, I don't have it written down. Yeah. Musiker. Um, he's, she is his former first officer. The ship that mm. he served on after leaving the Enterprise. It was a larger than a sovereign ship. It was supposed to be in charge of the fleet. To go get the Romulan, she was his first officer. That's her backstory. Obviously, no longer in Starfleet, kind of off the grid in a trailer, right. and in front of the Vasquez, Vasquez, Vasquez rocks. Uh, if that scene, which is where we see Kirk fight a Gorn in the original series, I thought that looked familiar. And was very nice bit of trivia over and over and over in Star Trek, used right. for different things. Those, and we've those seen leaning it. rocks. Mm-hmm. It's in Bill and Ted's uh, Bogus yes. Journey. It's mm-hmm. in all sorts of movies. Uh. It's right outside L.A. Is these pointy rocks. That's awesome. Okay, so <clears throat> question about um, Starfleet communicator technology. Sure. When, it, as a, I'm, I'm sure that there's a lot that a communicator can do that we don't know about or mm-hmm. that's been detailed in va- various novels and things like that. But it always seemed like in both the original series and the next generation and as well as the other ones that when you hit that button on your communicator, I'm assuming that they've got the kind of technology. So like if I wanted to reach Keith and I had a communicator, I just right. happened to say, Keith. Mm-hmm. Or you have to tell who you're going to talk to. You know, yeah. on your way in, grab some more Earl Grey, we're out. And, and, you, and that's, and, but if I wanted to talk to you, I would tap and say, oh, Hattie, uh, you know, yep. right. I, I've, I've got that uh, book you wanted to borrow here in the right. office. It sounds like you have to use the name first. Before. So, but you know, like I'm, because I'm a software guy, <laughs> right. I want to know like, how does this work? What if I just say Keith, that, what if I know two Keiths? Do I get, which Keith do you mean? Keith right. Ruckus or Keith Smith? You oh, know, that's a good you know question. But, but in the past, it always seemed like the communicator was more or less connected to your ship. Right. And that it, your, was ship it would connected. ring your communications officer if you were not on the ship. Kind of like well, an operator. But if you think about it, you know, a lot of, you've got Kirk flipping the flipping the communicator and saying, Scotty, beam us up. And he's like, okay. And he's right there. He's got it. Like, is everyone listening to everything all the time? Right. Is it is it like when the cops are all talking on the one channel in their walkies and everyone I kind hears of, it or yeah. what? I don't know. Well, You're looking at me like I, I'm talking to <laughs> listeners too. If anyone can can bring me up uh, to date on on how this works, and I, also I th- I thought it was it was crazy that he just sort of walks out on his back. First of all, I liked the idea that the, he's aware that the communicator maybe you know it's like it's like you you go into the um you go into the store and you're like oh, I only got one bar in here I'm not gonna I don't think that's why he walked and he outside. walks outside he's like well I, you know I'm I'm talking that's yeah, not why he walked space, outside so well and and so the other thing is I'm assuming that Rafi is on another planet she on or no she's ship? on Earth that's Earth yeah okay. 
Yeah, no, he took a taxi. Well, but they, it was a, a flying ship taxi. It could go to another planet uh, if you want. Well, this also has to do with something else that I totally skipped over, which was his reuniting with the Stargazer Doctor. Totally forgot about that. Right. Uh, oh, yeah. So he had taken these remote medical like scans, sent it to you, yeah, that actor yeah, from great. Ocean's 13 is what I think of him. Oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't see that one, I don't think. So he gets, uh, gets it to the old Stargazer Doctor, his old friend of his, <clears throat> the ship he used to command. Uh, and says, basically, I need you to basically sign off on me being okay for interstellar right. travel. like, you're kind of not. He says, everything's great except for something that was really touched on in the last episode of Next Generation. Uh, all good things. Saying that you have something in your parietal lobe, which is going to turn into eremotic syndrome, which in Star Trek is something that's going to make him kind of lose his mind. Is it kind of like an Alzheimer's, it's but also like dementia? Yeah. Okay. Do, you, do you remember in that last episode, he was kind of shifting through the different timelines? Yes. And they said that's because of the thing. Ex- okay. Exactly. So it's there, but we're not totally sure what's right. going to. Yeah. So to in, in the future that. timeline from all good things, they keep talking about, he's got this syndrome called mm-hmm. eremotic syndrome. And so they all, like, it's that, like, what he's doing now is so reminiscent of that. It's like he's Very saying there's a, there's a mission. Nobody People else kind of believes believing him. him, right? Like, okay, old man. They're kind of humoring him. Uh, so he's got this weird kind of syndrome coming on. And then the doctor says like, what was the doctor's name again? I want to look up his name. Started with a B. Maritz something. His first name is Maritz. So the doctor says something along the lines of, if you go out there, hopefully you die. He's basically right. saying that I didn't appreciate that comment. I, just I loved say, it. I did not like it. I, I think he knows it. that he's going to start losing his, his Picardness, his mind. He's like, it's better to go out in a blaze of glory on a mission than at, at, in your nineties, which is great than to survive and basically forget who you are, right. lose your emotional stability. Mm-hmm. I think okay. it's smart. It bothers me that, you know, in, in, in the, that time period that they don't have a anything cure. that can help him at all. He's got a fake heart, but he, they can't cure a so the, dementia. The actor's name is David Pamer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what else has he been in? Uh, oh, he's been in a lot yes, of film and TV. I mean, it, it, look at this list, Hattie. He was in, uh, I'll just I'll, oh, yeah. I'll just read a few some, of them. A, a few of them. Uh, depending on how old you are, these will be familiar to you or not. Irreconcilable Differences, Howard the Duck, Night of the Creeps, um, Mr. Saturday Night, City Slickers 2, American President Nixon, um, The Sixth Man, Mighty Joe Young, Payback. He's been in so many. We're only in year 2000 now. Man, he's been- Ocean's 13. Ocean's 13. That's the thing I think of when I see him. And uh, Horse Girl, the upcoming movie, Horse Girl. And then look at all the TV he's done. Happy Days, Lou Grant- a heart to heart, Cagney and Lacey, Taxi, Fame, Greatest American Hero, Gloria, Jefferson's, Hill Street Blues, Paper Chase, Cagney and Lacey, Scarecrow and Mrs. King, Hardcastle and McCormick, Family Ties, Cheers, Different Strokes, Moonlighting. You're so excited. Oh, these are my shows, man. 21 Jump Street, Rags to Riches. He's been in literally everything. Gary Shandling Show, Simon and Simon, St. Elsewhere, Who's the Boss, Matlock. Murphy Brown, Jake and the Fat Man, the Commish. I could go on all tales from the crypt. He's been in everything. New Batman Adventure, Godzilla the series. This guy's all over the place, man. Oh my gosh, his list of filmography is the Good insanely Wife. Long. See, maybe Mentalist. that's where I know him from. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Maybe it's that too. I'm trying to remember. And then there's a show. I'm dying up here. Would you got to have your voice crack when you say it? Yeah. I'm dying up here. 
Why? Try it. I'm, I'm dying up here. I'm dying up I'm here. I'm dying. I'm dying up here. He's the director, too. All right. Well, it's, it's not him, the podcast. It's Picard, the podcast. Well, but he's a good actor. That's all I'm, I'm trying to say. digging Picard's courtyard. I just got to say that. Like, oh, yeah. Every time I see his hat, and there were great shots of the house in this mm-hmm. episode. Uh, you got to really see his um, his like living room area with like his bookshelves on the right and like I love the kind of eclectic look. It's not really well organized. It's kind of just like Picard, you know. It's like he has all these little different pieces of himself, and it all like he'll have a real modern painting and then some sketches and some other stuff. And I just I like the mixture. And but that courtyard with the little fire pit mm-hmm. and the couches, I was like, yes, I want that. Uh, agreed. So nice. The last thing I saw in a bunch of articles was <clears throat> there's a shot of him being very pensive uh, and it's a reflection of a clock and the fire is burning. It's kind of when he makes the decision to go oh, back out into yes. space. And a lot of people are saying that this is a direct uh, call back to generations. I'm not sure if it is. It might just mm. be a cool shot, but uh, uh, Dr. Torin, who is trying to destroy you know, a planet, basically, our whole solar system. We get back to the ribbon. You saw Generations. I think I did, yes. Yeah, uh, that's the first Next Generation movie. Yes. Basically, he's having con- he's an Elorian, just like uh, Guinan, and he says to um, uh, Picard, he basically says, fire is the time, or time is the fire in which we burn. Okay, yes, I do remember that. Mm-hmm. And he says something, you know, he's basically looking to the fact that, like, time is like this monster that is constantly right. coming after you, and you have to get as much done as you can and until it catches up with mm-hmm. you. I thought that was good. And then, <clears throat> so to, to go back to your door chime thing. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So the Commodore's door chime is the same chime that we As, had on the Enterprise yeah. D. And that uh, made me super excited because I recognize it. Yeah, but, I like perked up. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but it pointed out something to me that's bugging me about the whole series, and that's that very little of it feels like next generation. Uh, mm-hmm. So like, they have the L cars displays, mm-hmm. and that's about it. The, the ship sounds, the, the the phaser welder sound sounds very Discovery to me mm. because that's kind of what they're working on right now. So right. much right. of it feels a little too different. Then, and I think it would be very easy for them to slip in some more TNG, Voyager, yeah. DC kind so of when feel. A big, again, I, I have not watched Discovery. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about it except what I've read about it. When is that taking place? Is that concurrent with... Discovery is... Just prior to James Kirk. Oh, so it's ancient stuff. The the Enterprise is in service, but it's captained by Christopher Pike, who okay. was the captain before Kirk. Right. So. First Klingon War. Right. Okay. So why do you think that they're using those sounds? Because they have them available in their library more readily than and the And they TNG? might not even be the, those exact sounds. They just sound very reminiscent, specifically okay. the phaser sounds. I'm like, that is straight. If it's not Discovery, it's from Discovery. You know, I mean, if if you look at it from a practical standpoint, mm-hmm. it would make sense that they would be using those because they've got them. They're there right, right. now. And, exactly. and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that any of the technology that was used behind the scenes to create TNG is long warehouse sure. gone. It's, it's gone. So maybe if they're faced with the idea of do we recreate these sounds or do we use this library of similar sounds that kind of represents what people hear now to maybe tie those things together in a right. way, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe that, that's and yeah, pragmatically. Absolutely. But yeah. to use the door chime from the enterprise, he right. made me so happy. It, it, it made it's you on park purpose. Up. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Even the same. Tss, yep. Mm-hmm. I noticed that too. I mean, which is great. That. And what about the transporters? That was the same sound as enterprise, right? Like a little abridged. Yeah. Which is fine to me because as the movies go forward, the, probably the it starts getting abridged. Now, I had yeah. a question about the transporters. Yeah, um, when they, when they transport to Dodge's apartment, mm-hmm. 
That like, was the sound that I was thinking of. Is that something you can just do? Like, I don't want someone just trans showing up in my living room. Right, like, like please don't. Are there? I mean, are now there... I know that she had she was di- dead and it was not there anymore. But Picard didn't know necessarily where her the exact you know. So I'm like I'm assuming that you there has to be something to keep people from just doing right. That. Otherwise, robbers would do that every day. <laughs> well, you don't need money. I know, but th- what if they wanted your Painting. Painting or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And he takes a taxi to go see Rafi. Right. So So that's why I was that's why I had asked you if it was on Earth because it's definitely on Earth. Because why wouldn't he have used a transporter to get there? There's a lot of things they don't show. Like when he went to Okinawa, mm-hmm. um, they didn't I don't recall, I don't think they or showed when Dodge him was just in Paris. According to that, right. Dodge just in Paris. <laughs> I mean, obviously they're using a transporter, but it also seems like the transporter technology is restricted at least in some way because like when they went to the star when he went to starfleet they had those uh transporter gates portals portals, um where where people were coming and going through those and that was kind of fun because you saw everyone in their starfleet and updated starfleet uniforms Mm -hmm. they i noticed that they have a different communicator badge on one side the all good things communicator badge too that is yep okay it's used in a couple different episodes to represent a future starfleet badge okay but it is absolutely used in all good things and i also noticed that they had their um rank on their chest as opposed to on the collar Sure, i like that too Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty good Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I'm still wondering how people get around because he had to take a taxi at one point. Right. So he didn't have Laris with him in the taxi. So I have to imagine that she's Laris tapped into some sort of transporter. That's right. it's yeah. some sort of Tal Shiar trick. That's the only thing I can come up with mm-hmm. why he wouldn't be transporting other places. Right. In other words, they were they were doing a bad thing. By, and but, they transported right. right into her living room. It wasn't right. like the downstairs with the doorman or something, you know, right. it was. I just feel like that that's too easy to do that, you know? Sure. Like, well, I mean, for someone who was an admiral of Starfleet and someone who was in the secret service yeah. of right. the Romulan Empire, maybe it was easy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're worried about he- people like hacking our email passwords mm-hmm. in the future. It'd be like, I don't want people showing up. into my bathroom, you know, right. at, like, at, uh, um, like people just selling something off the street. Hey, do you want to buy some Tupperware? <laughs> no, get out. Uh, yeah. Right. And we don't, you know, we don't know if he has a person. We don't know if he has a personal <laughs> transporter at the Chateau or not, but he has a personal transporter, but he doesn't have something that'll, he'll clean up his spilled tea. Right. We don't know. know. Those transporters where they're all lined up like that at the Starfleet headquarters or whatever, it reminded me of um, all the the fireplaces uh, in the uh, Harry Potter Potter universe. You know, where they're all kind of lined up. The flu network. The flu network, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was reminding. I was like, oh, they're all coming and going, you know, and it's bustling and people are going, I don't know. Advanced enough technology will look like magic. It'll look like magic. There you go. Only no flames in a fireplace, probably. So, Hattie, Karen, <laughs> Karen wants to know your take on this as a noob. And what on on what? Karen Just wants everything? less me, so you what? go. I don't know. I mean, like, I I I think I I'll go uh, emotional. I guess I liked. I think I liked the first episode more. I think it had more emotional aspects to it, where it was like right oh, with data, data yeah. and like oh, there's Picard and yeah. oh, the, the hot tea, you know, everything like that. This one was more like okay, we did that. Now that's out of the way. Now we're like, we're into this now and we're right. going to have to start figuring things out. Um, you had a good theory though that you were going to say, but I haven't heard you say it yet. No. Um, so you're talking about the, the, the um, Android theory, the yes. synthetic theory. Yes. Okay. But the, the, I, I think the Romulans destroyed yes. the fleet themselves. Yeah. I, I, I think that the 
for whatever reason, because they were talking about the Romulan's intense hatred for synthetics, synthetics and AI, of, of, yes, which of, I AI want to of any know kind. What? Where does the hatred come from? Did we? I learn wanted that? to know that. Too. I think we're gonna find okay, out. Okay, okay. I didn't know if that was like something I should already know. Now to tie in another um, sci-fi franchise, Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, it, apparently, Dune. At some distant point in the past, from what we learn about, if we're reading the Dune novels or watching the film or films, um, is is that at some point in the past they had AI. And well, let me uh, jump to the present Dune present for a second, and you have the concept of the 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 uh, mendicant, no mm-hmm. mentat. What is it called? Not mendicant, mentat. Uh, I gotta look this up. It's been a while since I've visited the. Yeah, it is a mentat. Mm-hmm. And um, the mentat is a, a a discipline that a human being can undergo um, that essentially they train themselves to be a, a human computer. And the reason why you have human computers, mentats, instead of AI. actual AI is because at some point in the distant past, the AI you know, did what AI always does. It becomes self-aware <laughs> and it destroys everybody. Right. So they basically have outlawed any kind of AI at all. And that's why in the Dune world, you don't even really see computers. They have technology, but it's all operated by people. Everything is sure. still manually operated right. very much in the way that you would have like 1950s That's technology. what I was thinking of too. Like I'm going to operate the crane while it you're did, up there. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so you have people doing this stuff. And then when you need to compute things, you pull a mentat out and he's like, I'll tell you how to, then they think and solve the problem logically and with math. So, AKA it, a nerd. A so, nerd. So yeah, there's the nerd. Laris says that the Jatvash kind of started at the split of Vulcans and Romulans. Right. So they obviously had interstellar travel at some point. Right. So I think there has to be something in their past with synthetic creatures. I agree. And and I'd be curious to see what that is, but it seems to me like it was their mission to in in some way make the plastic people, uh not our audience, but the ones in the show. <laughs> make them revolt and for have them do the dirty work of the Romulans. Of, right, and they keep their hands clean. Right, they keep their hands clean, but then that creates distrust of androids, which they don't want around anyway. Right, the Javash's whole thing is to get synthetics banned across the universe. Right. They did a really good job if they're the ones that reprogram F8, but then there also has to be a motive for them destroying the fleet that is going to save hum- save them. Right, and right. So I think what they're alluding to is that they think the Javash, the Javash thinks that they're in no way, shape, or form are the humans coming to help, or is the Federation coming to help? Oh, that it's almost right. like they lied. And, yeah, like oh, they're okay. coming as an invasion fleet, or they're coming and using to their subjugate. Time of weakness to right. So they're killing two birds with one stone, saying we don't need the Federation's help. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are going to die, but it's better than being subjugated. Right. And also, f your synthetic uh, race. Right. You know, I just I think it's really interesting. Because in Star Trek, at least, Data was the first but he was rare that we saw. Right. You, you know, there's that one episode of TOS where they bring that little, there's that little floating robot that flies around and he's super powerful and angry mm-hmm. and talks like this, you know. <laughs> and, and so, and, but of course we had the ship computer all the time, mm-hmm. but it, that wasn't, it, it's AI in the same way that, um, that Siri is AI mm-hmm. in that it, it doesn't, She'll you can make ask it a question right. 
and it, it gets it. It knows what you're talking about, but it's not like you can it's tell not it to AI the way the data was mm-hmm. AI. And, um, and so finally getting to see, oh yeah, there, there are, and have <clears throat> been androids and synthetic people in, in this world, you know, because you have to say why, what, because look, it's 2020 and everybody here is like obsessed about AI and, and, and intelligent mm-hmm. assistance and all of that stuff. And so to think that we'd make it another hundred, 150 years without a single, even just a work robot loading a cargo bay. Right. With no face. Mm-hmm. We've you know? <laughs> never seen anything like that in the Star Trek universe at mm-hmm. all. And if you compare it to the Star Wars universe much more the first thing you see is a droid you know Mm -hmm. i'm saying like it from 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 day one it's droids 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 everywhere and they are basically slaves they're mistreated yeah right and so but you don't really see them feel pain in star wars isn't that bizarre yeah you can you can put a hot thing on a droid's feet and will feel pain (laughs) you know and i mean but just think about these these androids they've seen things you know that, that that people wouldn't believe you know attack ships off fire off the shoulder of Orion, you name it, you know, but like they, they're a race too. They're a species too. But like the people that interact with them are not respectful of them in the same way. They, they talk about them. She's like, Oh, he can hear you. He's like, so what? Who cares? You can't offend them. Right. It's like talking crap about Siri. I thought it was interesting (laughs) though. I never do that. That they terrified of her, that they, that they treated, or that, that, oh, okay, hold on. I thought it was interesting that the androids, now we only saw one of them. Fate. Fate. Right. But I'm assuming that they all look the same. They because do. it well, showed remember, them in that one. Right. Oh, no, you're right. right in in the one, elevator. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, they're all or cookie the cutter. Or whatever they're all the same. But why have, uh, not that I mind, but why have them look like data? Why have them have yellow eyes uh, and, the, and the lighter skin? I understand the argument because of especially considering uh, something like the uh, the story Fondly Fahrenheit, which if, if people want to read some good, really good, um, classic uh, science fiction um, it's an Alfred Bester story. I think it even might even be in public domain now, but if it is, I'll put it into the show notes. Yeah, there is a, there is a download of it that you can I have do. three reasons to make them look like data. Why? One, uh, Maddox. But I was going to say, and finally Fahrenheit androids mm. look different so that you can tell them apart. So you don't have a Blade Runner. Situation. That's number one. Mm. Okay. Yep. That's number one. You want them to be easily identifiable as androids. Because you need to know who's expendable too. Maddox made them so one they were based on data because that's what Maddox was doing. Right, but you could make them look different. You could, but three Maddox and Data had gained this friendship, so maybe it's Maddox uh, paying homage to right, Data, like, like he did it in from love, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if not love, you know, some yeah, form of affection, right. friendship. Like we're we're keeping the Sung type android uh, feeling going, or mm-hmm. like the the visage of it going by making them all look that way, right? And I guess they got around that by being like, oh, we'll just print their name on the for- on their forehead and the back of their head. And that's how you tell them yeah. apart. Because <laughs> they are they're maybe not the same level of sentience. Right. And I would hope not because they're treating them like that. As yeah, data. no, that's right. not good. Okay. That's all I had. But that's my theory is that is that the Romulans are for sure behind this. Yes. What if the wrong, what if they, what if they, theory, what mm. if they have the the Javash, what if they had a a thing into the, like what if they know something time wise like in the future if we let AI AI's exist 
then this will happen. So we're going to go back in time, basically, or like go back in time and prevent it from happening or something. I don't know. Mm. Just a thought. They said there is a visceral hatred. There is like hatred, fear of all things synthetic. Mm -hmm. Right. Which makes me wonder if uh, then why would Romulans have any sort of holographic Right. Technology. Because right. we, we've seen them use holograms. Like they made a hologram of Ambassador Spock and they had intended to make it interactive. Like, does that not count as some form of AI or if it doesn't? What if they are getting rid of all the AI everywhere else except for their own? Because in order to hack into F8 and everybody else, like you would have to then test and learn about That's a good AI point. anyway. They said right. they don't have so cyberneticists, but know. they must have. Right. right. Unless they're using, they've got, maybe, maybe they have Maddox and, and they've, they're, they're in, he's imprisoned and they're forcing forcing him him to to, to do this kind of stuff. I think it's either that or Maddox has a secret base. I'm in the secret base. I want it to be a secret base. The whole point is of of them going after Dodge is like, they want to find the rest of them. Right. Here's my approach to find the rest of them. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, for if he works, for if uh, um, what's his name, the the Romulan, the hot Romulan, I already Narek. Know, Narek. If he uh, is part of the, the Javad, the hot Romulan, if he <laughs> is part of the Javash and his whole thing is hatred and fear of androids, it is weird for him to sleep with one. And he knows that she's an android. Oh, he knows. They both, yeah. yeah, they call it, they call the it sister. an it and a machine and yeah. right, things like that. It's, it's, Basically, she's a giant sex toy to him, I guess. I was just going to say, it's like the future of those awful, um, well, no no offense, I shouldn't say awful, of those like dolls. Right, no king shaming here. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Real doll? Yeah, but I mean like, you know, he he is not just fooling her in the sense that he's using her. He's fooling her in the sense that he knows what she is and she doesn't. Right. Oh, 100%. But I think- I think they think she does because his approach is to get her trust. And like, she's going to tell him like, Oh, by the way, yeah, by the way, I'm an Android and here's my list of other androids and my daddy. No, I don't don't think think she she does either. either. I don't think she knows. Also, they, uh, when they were hacking Dodge's computer, was that implying that Dodge and Soji had talked and like knew about each other? Yeah. I think they knew each other. They were aware. They were aware that they were sisters. Yeah. Because why wouldn't you, if something's going terribly wrong in your life and people are trying to kill you, wouldn't you be like, I got to contact my sister and like figure out because she's my twin and we wear twin necklaces and we're adult people. I think she was was reactionary and the first person she called was was her mom. Oh, yeah. yeah. Picard and her mom. Mm -hmm. And maybe, and you know what, maybe because of where Soji is on the, in the Borg cube, the artifact, she can't get phone calls there. So is that Borg cube, is (laughs) that, right, text messages. Text messages. Um, Is that... A place that's a secret place, or do people like know? Like people, no, because like, oh, there's not there are Federation members working. Oh, right. Okay, okay, that's why I, I wanted to make sure. There are trills. Yeah, I think it's just it, what they call it, the Romulan Re- Reclamation Project. Right. It's how they're making their money, obviously, okay. by selling off pieces mm-hmm. and building their ships. Okay. Question about Narek. She said, "Is Narek even your real name?" And he said, "It's one of them." Yeah. And then so now we know that Rizzo is his sister. So we know his last, or unless that's not her real. Didn't last he name. say he had a brother too? Well, he had a brother. Romulans don't necessarily have last names. Okay. It, it, it he's a spy. Narek, he probably right, has okay. a bunch of different identities. Do you still go with your theory, Keith, mm-hmm. that um, Narek is the brother, uh, of... brother of... I still think it, because okay. he still said he had a brother. Mm-hmm. I still would be very happy if he was Nero's brother. Nero. Nero, Narek, yeah. and Rizzo. Mm-hmm. 
Well, Rizzo's not her name. Right, that's Rizzo's her, her last. Well, that's her. You well, know, Rizzo, you go by name Rizzo. Yeah. I'd go by Cook. You'd buy, go what, by Rucka. What is, so. what is his? Uh, what is her her real name? We don't know. We haven't heard her first name yet. Yeah. Okay. If it starts with an N, I'm hundred yeah, percent saying it's Nero's brother. When I was uh, a young young boy, in I'm going to say middle school. Uh huh. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons and uh, one of the kids that played Dungeons and Dragons had a, his, the name of his character was Rizzo. Okay. And, uh, so you think there's some sort of conspiracy yeah. with yeah. that kid? That he is now a writer <laughs> yeah. for the show. Sure. He put his own name and it's a message to you. That's right. He Damn. is trying just the same way that, um, Roddenberry used to use the name Noonie and Soong mm-hmm. and variants of it because he had a friend whose name was Noonie and Soong. Really? Yes. I didn't and know he, that. It was his attempt pre-internet to try to reach out to regain contact with his long lost friend. If only he had so Google. So he kept reusing you know? the name over and over again. And um, yeah. And so that's that's where the name for Khan came from originally. Yep. And, and, and then, Data's dad. Yeah, Data's daddy. Data's baby daddy. <laughs> But okay, if if those other AIs <laughs> technically are technically Maddox, Ma- Maddox, Maddox is, is his baby, Data's daddy. baby daddy. <laughs> okay, if if the other AIs like F eight and everything are modeled off of Data, like you said, mm-hmm. it Dodge and Soji are modeled after Data, but don't look like him. So it like but you said, because they're, they're organic. Oh right, right, that's true. They're not made right, of it's, it's Android not the parts. Same. Now, uh, uh, as far as being organic, are we to assume that the, everything, every part of them is organic? Like the, the, or or do they have like an old school positronic brain in there? Or is the brain an organic brain as well? I, I'm i so torn because of the Romulan scanners. Yeah. I would feel like they'd pick up a piece of metal, metal in a piece inside of, of, in her, of yeah. flesh because they're scanning for Borg stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am not entirely sure. But what if they're taking away the AI from everybody else and using these new Borg people and everything to make their own kind of mixture of yeah. AI's oh, army sure. type situation. Interesting. I mean, who better to interface with organic and, and right. robot technology than the Borg? Basically I mean, creating their own army from an old army that's been thrown away already. You know, and it's not typical AI either. It's no. more like a controlled thing so yeah. it was it would be them getting away from ai but it's something they can still control in a mm-hmm, way mm-hmm. i don't know i have no idea this is just the noob talking because you're just a noob <laughs> did you watch battlestar galactica uh, the original yeah no the, the newer one no i haven't there's a whole point where they're, they're like cloning i've heard about robot that. and it's like they're 100 percent organic in every possible way it's right. just like I guess like their neurons or like the information in their brain is robotic. Right. Mm. So like when, when Bishop in uh, aliens, mm-hmm. uh, when Bishop is doing the little knife game sure. on the guy's hand <laughs> right? and he, he, he slips a little, he cuts himself and, uh, and, and then you, you know, he, he goes like this and you can see the little drop of what, what I'll call blood. It's mm-hmm. white liquid. That's I guess Bishop's blood. His blood. Right. Yeah. His and, lube. And, uh, and so, you know, a lot of the time, when you have an Android who's constructed to look human, you know, the, they are aware themselves that they are, that they are not. So you have, again, in, in a future alien movie, you have David and David, David visually looks just like a person. Mm -hmm. Uh, He acts weird, but the only way that you would know he wasn't human was because he acts weird. Right. Same thing in, in Blade Runner, but I always enjoy stories where the the narrator becomes an unreliable narrator when they themselves discover that they are 
you know, an android or they're not human or they're not what they think they are. And I'm often reminded of the movie Unbreakable with uh, Bruce Willis. Willis. I don't want to spoil anything here. Right. If you have not seen Unbreakable, (laughs) just skip ahead of like a minute. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil it horribly, but I will say that there is a, there is a scene in the movie where Bruce Willis's character is asked if he can ever remember being hurt ever. Or mm-hmm. ever having any kind of injury or something like that, and I would think that at some point, like, like look, look right here. What do you what do you see right there? Just uh, cut, tiny little cut. <laughs> I was I was cutting some with a knife, poked poked my finger, cut it a little bit. Right. You know that I'm used to that. Things like that happen all the time. You 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 know you get a little scrape, you get a little injury, mm-hmm. you get a little thing, mm-hmm. a, su- a surface injury, a, sur- a superficial mm-hmm. wound, mm-hmm. and so flesh wound. You know, eventually. If you'd never been hurt in your whole life. Right. You'd be like, that's actually kind of weird. Or if you had been hurt and noticed that your blood was white or something, Mm -hmm. it might occur to you, you know, come to think of it like I've never been cut. I've never needed a Band-Aid in my entire life, you know, like, but I assume that she could be hurt. She could be cut and injured, but we don't know. But I'm saying at some point, how could you not know that you were an android unless you were 100% organic in every single possible unless way. Well, she's Something also like programmed. Right. She might be programmed right. to right. never think Right, she only got her that. memory three years ahead right. of that. She could be programmed to never think that she's an android. Also, uh, nitpicky about Bruce Willis, he almost drowned a couple times. That water was his weakness right. because so every he, hero has a He's not thinking of himself as an invincible person. You're right. So there is right. something to it. You're right. But she's programmed somewhere or another, whether she has a positronic brain right. or an organic brain that is filled with the neurons of data, Yeah, which is makes me feel better about how fast Dodge was using mm-hmm. the computer. It wasn't as fast as F8 was. It right. was very fast. It wasn't she could freakishly obviously, fast, right? Pro- she could, you know, program things. She could jump real high for some reason. So maybe she has like a, a skeleton of an android. But And see, that's that's where I thank you for bringing that up, because for her to perform these, these are not these are not just like that jump. Mm-hmm. She jumped like that was like half a football field. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that was, was a ridiculous. big, jump. big jump. And she was jumping not just forward it's jumping up a flight of stairs so like you have to like gain momentum vertically and also horizontally i thought it was really cool i thought it was awesome but and i understand that she was not activated before that so she didn't even really realize her own potential potential or powers until then what do we know what activated her just being attacked yeah. It, was, it was probably a self-preservation. Okay, right. okay. That like That's triggered a program to activate. Okay. It's like, like, like how a teenager gets their X power. Exactly. And, right. Right. So anyway, my, my, my question is at that point, I think it, she knew she wasn't a regular person anymore, but she didn't really have much of a reaction to. That right. And when Picard was sitting with her and she's like, but I remember like my dad and he's like, then those, that's your memory and that's right. yours. Right. But Picard was like, yeah, you're definitely not. Right. Um, when she's being burned up by the yes, acid the stuff, acid. Mm-hmm. it there's like a split second where like all of her skin and hair are gone, yeah. and there is kind of like a a metal looking really oh I didn't something. catch that. So if you like go through really slow, you can see that like it's not a skeleton. It doesn't look like a skeleton to mm-hmm. me at all. Mm-hmm. But that's just me. See, that's what I want to know. I I would I would rather it be that she's like internally android, but has like a a skin. 
and some muscular like in first contact when the Borg queen is putting those patches of human skin on data there's like enough of of like a fakeness layers to make it seem like it he still feels it has follicles you know Uh like in the the Terminator he is covered by skin and the skin grows and gets older it grows hair he can grow a beard you know that type of thing but uh, but because he's not truly alive, he feel he's aware of injury to the epidermal layer. But it doesn't feel. But pain. it's not pain the way we right because feel there's no pain. muscular pain. There's no bone. No nerve pain. ending. No nerve and, pain. Yeah. And the reason I mentioned that is because of what you said about when she was um when when the acid was on her and it was right. peeling she away. She was feeling the skin probably it's, burning. You know, and that's what I wonder. Like, was she feeling the skin? Was her because her reaction was almost like it wasn't so much. Oh no, I've got acid on me. I'm in pain as much as, like, but then she did seem to feel pain. Well, and then remember she had the little cut on the top of her head right. and then the, um, Laris did a little, yeah. and it was fine. Yeah. I don't know. She didn't really seem to react to that at all. Right. And, but that was flesh being healed. Exactly. So it's it was definitely flesh. alive. So we'll see. Any predictions any of y'all would like to make for the com- upcoming episodes we made? I'm, we made our predictions about what we think is the cause the of the Android rebellion, thing. but right. any, anything else? You know, I originally had thought that Jerry Ryan's Seven of Nine was going to be like a very kind of rogue person off on her own, like doing just Borg things later <laughs> in life, like it's like doing you know, Borg things, yeah, you know, saving Borg drones and stuff. Just but now Borg-y I think things. that she might work for Starfleet security, mm. and that she doesn't know that they're evil and is sent by the Commodore mm. to go figure out what Picard's oh. doing. Mm-hmm. And part of Picard will trust her and everything. I feel like she has a bigger part to play than I originally thought. And I know that we run into Hugh. At some point. Yep. And there is, they released a still, and this might be a little bit of a spoiler, so skip ahead 30 seconds. But if you don't want to know, yeah. They released a still of Picard and Hugh together. And I kind of thought that they would never actually, it would be two different right. storylines. Story because the lighting and all the shots we've seen of them has been so different, but mm-hmm. they are definitely going to have some sort of meeting. That's and I cool. think, I think they will have a very frictitious mm-hmm. feeling towards each other. Mm-hmm. Because at one point, Picard sends a, Back to the board right. collector. There you go. Because right. there's things we know now that, you know, like, you know, Picard got assimilated and then got rescued and he mm-hmm. sent you back to that hell. Right. Mm-hmm. right. After already kind of becoming aware right. that he yeah. is right. an individual. So he, he, he actually had to go through assimilation right. maybe even twice. Right. right. Which would be even worse. Right. Do you think Hugh is maybe good and with Maddox at all? Or I have no idea. I don't know. Also, if Hugh is on that board cube, I think he got assimilated three times. Oh, that, oh, that no. would, yeah, that would be yeah. true. Poor guy. Yeah. Once was enough. Sure. It, it looked super painful when they were removing all this, the board oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. I was like, they did oh, such a good job. Like, but I liked that it wasn't like super clean lines like uh, someone else. It was just robot parts just stuck yeah. on. Yeah. Always, it wasn't yeah. dismantling right. a machine. It right. was ripping. It was just like we stuck this in your right. skin. And, and you would think that whatever the Borg collective and the the implants and everything right, else there's that nothing are there. gentle about them no but it would be easy <laughs> enough for them to just through the through the cybernetic connection just turn off the pain mm-hmm. signals that right. they would normally feel but then if they're disconnected from the collective and they're having these things removed they're feeling pain now they are right you know? now they're kind of more human than right. bored exactly. at this point exactly and they said that they were said something about the collective that the collective was kind of gone now yeah. or something and like that. that. Well, oh, uh, yeah, okay, they so say? they were talking about how when if a Borg ship is compromised, it's disconnected, it's disconnected, and, it's just and, a everything, and it's a graveyard, and it's just yes, sitting there. And she, so, they said, "What would that make us?" Uh-huh. I thought they were going to say grave diggers, but they I didn't. thought so too. Uh, yeah, or grave robbers, something yeah. of right. the sort. But we don't know if the grave collective robbers. is actually gone. 
or if right. this was just an isolated incident with the Borg cube. Mm-hmm. So I think we are going to see this cube reignite at some point. Oh, that's my theory. And be, become an evil Borg cube again. Yeah. But who's going to be in control? Romulans or Borg? Borg. Okay. I think it's going to reassert, it, reassert itself eventually. Right. Because if it's like if it itself, the collective is sentient in a in a in a way right. it's aware that it is a collective, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. But it it would kind of self heal. And it's like, well, these people are doing something to us. We'll just wait it out until something's like until we're able to come alive right. again. And they're yeah. just kind of biding their time. I think that it is disconnected from the collective, but they're the Romulans digging too deep are going to reactivate something. Oh, that's by gonna, accident. Yeah. Yeah. I just got a text message from a friend of the show, uh, David Pizarro. Hi, Dave. Uh, he is the host of uh, Very Bad Wizards. Yep. Uh, also on Fireside. Wonderful show. He just texted me while recording this and he said, loved the Picard, subscribed. Nice. So uh, happy. thanks, Dave. Hi, Dave. And I don't if, know you, but hi, Dave. If you would <laughs> like to uh, share your feedback on what we said, questions, comments, theories. Specifically, Dave. Dave, only Dave. Only Dave. I was going to say, I was only like, this Dave. is very specific. Um, Dave, if you would like to. Only Dave. You can email us at <laughs> Picard at 5x5.tv. We would love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, any anything you want to share. Lay it on me, Karen. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, Karen. Karen, we're going to need a follow-up. Yeah, here. we need a follow-up Definitely. from you. If, what else did we get wrong? Uh, and that's it. So you can you can see the show notes. There's really only a couple links in there, but it's at picard.fireside.fm slash two. That's where the notes are going to be. Oh, because it's the second episode. Second episode. Nice. And uh, we'll have out. eight or maybe even 10 of those for we'll this season. We'll see what we feel we'll like. See. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what if we just stopped at eight? Just stop at eight. <laughs> no. No. We no. Never stop. We would never stop at eight. Oh, Dan, did you want to mention that we saw a very uh, good license plate? Ah, uh, yes. Um, I, <laughs> put it in the show notes. I'll right. put it in the show notes. I think it's amazing. If you have a vanity plate, I'm sorry, you're you're kind of asking for people to take pictures and post yeah, them somewhere. But, um, <laughs> but it, it was on the back of a Tesla. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll younger, be the, younger dude in it. It'll be the show art for today. And it was Picard one. Mm-hmm. And I saw mm-hmm. it as I was driving right here to the to studio this. to mm-hmm. record this Picard one. Yep. So uh, now, although this episode is Picard slash two, I know, I know, that's what made me sad. I was like, and also, what what's the name of Picard's uh, yacht that he the Cousteau, the Cousteau? See, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there you go. Uh, But that's it. But thanks everyone for listening. Don't forget to send in your comments. If uh, you you can find us on Twitter. Um, at Dan Benjamin, at Hattie Bird, Hattie Bird, H A D D I E Bird, and at Keith Ruckus. That's me. And uh, if you want us, that's where you can find us. But if you want it to be like heard and read on the show, send the email instead. And we appreciate it. And we thank you all for listening. And we'll see you again next week.